0: the galaxy burns the heretic falls and the emperor protects welcome imperial citizens to the emperor protects my name is doug with two plus tough and my co-host dan with cubic shenanigans how you doing buddy
1: doing wonderful my friend it's awesome to be back and Talking about
0: heresy again. Absolutely. Now, when we started this show, the idea that we wanted to put out there for people was that we read the book so that you don't have to, is essentially <laughs> the, the core idea. Uh, yeah. And I think this book takes the cake for that because it is widely regarded as one of the weaker Horace Heresy books, but I yes. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah. Um, and it I is, think at the beginning, you know, we're going to,
1: when I look through the notes, it's one of the things I wanted to stress. Uh, of what makes this book unique i think
0: yeah absolutely uh, at this point so um, what we're gonna do is uh, if you don't know we're talking all about legion today which is a uh, horse heresy book focused around the um alpha legion i don't know why that just skipped on my brain <laughs> it's not like we're talking about it all day but um and so we're gonna be jumping into that i didn't see any listener mail questions so if you have those please consider you know you can either contact them at cubic shenanigans me on youtube or um my discord which i have all that stuff in the description down below uh, okay so with no questions in the way let's get straight into it uh dan you have a few you have a preamble as i think what we've kind of decided on this one it's a one it's of big book I, I think is unique
1: among other things is that this book is set about two years before the beginning of the heresy yes and a lot of books we've talked about already are before the heresy, but then they roll into it. So mm-hmm. we see what happens with that particular legion of the story. This isn't like that. Even at the end of this book, it's still a couple years out. Yeah. Um, and what we have is, it's really, it introduces the the readers to the enigmatic, I think that's a great word for the Alpha Legion, and they're, the legion's called to aid in the compliance of a world called Nerth. Mm-hmm. And the actors here again, this is what makes it very unique, this book, are not just the Alpha Legion. This is not just an Alpha Legion story. Uh, uh, But they're men men and women of the Imperial Guard. Uh, The human forces are commanded by this total tool, Tang Namajira, I can't stand; this guy. (laughs) He's just a pompous jerk. Um, And we'll see that as we talk about the story. Uh, But all is not what it seems here, because... And, and that's, of course, appropriate for the Alpha Legion, yeah, because yeah. the primary focus of the story is the Alpha Legion kind of moving in and out of the other players in the story and in interacting with them. They'll appear, they'll disappear, they'll engage with someone and then they'll go away again. Yep. And you get a lot of narrative of the regiments and the characters we're going to talk about. But the main focus of the several guard regiments is there is a regiment called the Geno 5-2 Chiliad. And Mm -hmm. um, just real quickly, one of the things that makes them very unique is that they have a group of, I would consider them senior officers. They'd be like colonels in charge of a regiment or something. They're called Uxors, all female. And they function, they're low-level psychers. And they have a little retinue of little Uxors in waiting there to kind of run it around. it, But they use something Mm -hmm. called the Sept, which is how they send orders. So they don't use a Vox or anything, basically. They just Sept their orders out to their uh, more junior officers who are called Hetmen. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're all male. Interesting, again, in the organization. They kind of function when you read the story and you hear... The talk—they're more like senior non-coms in the military. Yes, I think. But um, it's really, really interesting. So the sept is basically a form of telepathy. Um, it doesn't, though, appear that it allows the Uxors to read thoughts. But so it's kind of like a transmitter, not a receiver. The other right. thing, though, that's important is they are very size sensitive. So if there's any kind of psychic activity going around they can kind of tell what's happening with that. So yep. I think that's an important part before we start the story because uh, mo- some of the main characters are either Uxors or Hetman. Yes. And uh, and, it, and it does
0: explain the characters kind of move around the planet with a lot of freedom and it didn't sink yeah. in until like I started thinking about their rank of like okay, these aren't just run of the mill dudes who just abandoned yeah. their units. These are the bosses who are allowed to do whatever they want. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Um, and I think, again,
1: this book is a significant departure from not only previous but subsequent Horace Heresy novels. Oh, absolutely. Because there's, there's no real Legion versus Legion set-piece battles here. Yep. Which makes sense because it's before the Heresy. Right?
0: Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> and there's only
1: one significant battle, which is very cool. Um, and it's between the native Nerthine who are fighting the Imperial forces, Uh, But most of the combat that you read in here is very tactical in scale. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, it only involves like a couple few Alpha Legionnaires until the end of the book. Right. Yeah. Um, And so compare that to like Horus Rising or First Heretic or Thousand Sums or even Fulgrim, which we just Mm -hmm. talked about. Um, And I think personally, this is one of the reasons that maybe this book didn't gain traction uh you know among a large portion of the fandom yeah. because people kind of want that but i think it makes this book such a good read because it is so different
0: i i think it definitely subverted expectations you see the giant space marine on the cover of legion and you're like <laughs> oh alpha legion heck yeah their name's in the thing and you get really excited about it for for legionnaires what I think this book did if if you're from my channel and you have read um Dominion by Darius Hanks is an age of Sigmar book. That's yep. one where they took forces that we, we largely knew orcs and Stormcast, and they described them from the perspective of the people who first encountered these weird orcs who set traps instead of just running mm-hmm. headlong. Mm-hmm. And then most of the people didn't really care for that book either, but I loved it because I, and I'm now going back to Legion is your perspective is fixed at trying to understand demigods at a human level. You're with all these Axors and all these bosses, and things are happening above you, somehow like below you in terms of rank around you physically. Like, what does it look like when a Space Marine chapter or Legion, rather, that's all about secrecy does war? It's just, I think a lot of people wanted to see that from their perspective. And I think you
1: bring up an excellent point is that all we hear about in the Heresy is how much people like. They're such a mystery. You know, Space Marines are a mystery. we have never seen a Space Marine and all that. And I think this book helps you understand how that would feel because these Mm -hmm. characters experience that for the first time when they see a Marine um, and how they're interacting with them. I think there are two other things that are pretty critical before we start. One is a very, very important character who's a human, which, again, this is very different than a lot of books. His name is John Grammaticus. He's a very, very special individual. And his subplot kind of weaves in and out of the story Mm -hmm. a lot, like the Alpha Legion. Uh, And to me, this is kind of his story as much as it is the Alpha Legion story. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that makes him interesting is he is a perpetual. So he has been alive from what we can read, Doug, like over a thousand years.
0: Yep. Yeah, um, he met so. the emperor, was about to high-five him. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah. So I think the character of John Grammaticus is very important to point out. Another thing oh, that wait, I can think-
0: I. Uh, oh, I ahead, just want please. to ask on the note of John Grammaticus before we go on. Did you read the Dead Tree book or did you listen to the audiobook?
1: I this I have read the Dead Tree book. I listened to the audiobook this time.
0: Okay, so I did as well, and it was very jarring that like the John Grammaticus voice that the guy does is, is the most painfully American thing ever. It's like a <laughs> British guy pretending to be an American. It's like the oxhole raised great. his gun. <laughs> what are you gonna do with that said john grammaticus <laughs> and you're like what is he talking like that that's great <laughs> keep them british yeah. they're all from the same place
1: <laughs> so so re- so listeners maybe you want to read the story <laughs> but, but, yeah that's great it that's just sounds
0: great... like they dropped an american into any movie plot <laughs> yeah i know what needs to be done here <laughs> It's so funny? Because
1: like the voicing that he does for the Hetman, I know, is like so perfect for like a non-com or a sergeant or something. That's that's excellent. And then you, <laughs> yeah, that's that's so great.
0: Okay, uh, please continue with the. Learnings. No,
1: that's fine. No, another thing we have that's very unique here is something called the Cabal, and this is basically a Xenos confab that wants to manipulate mankind's destiny. Yes. Um, and they say that they are dedicated to the defeat of the primordial annihilator, which is chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very powerful yep. and uh, they're aware that the heresy coming. And they believe that the Alpha Legion is the last chance for yeah. mankind to be saved from the predation of the chaos powers. This is this is the one part of the book that I think is just epically flawed in terms of logic and reasoning. Thank you. Because <laughs> it, it just like they're, and we'll talk about it more as we get to the, you know, to the end where they actually talk to the Alpha Legion, but mm-hmm. it's just like, they believe that Horus has to win in order to defeat chaos. And I'm like, wait a minute. And even their logic at the end doesn't make any sense because they're making these huge assumptions about Horus Yeah. And based on the, you know, vagaries of chaos, it just makes no sense. So but it's interesting and it's an element in the story. Uh, And John Grammaticus, who we talked about, is actually an agent for the cabal.
0: Yes, Uh, yes, yes, yes. uh, And uh, to that point, we have to act with some sense of dramatic irony. John Grammaticus does not know what the cabal actually wants this entire book. He's just trying to set up a meeting. He's basically like a receptionist for the cabal. (laughs) so he doesn't know what he's getting everybody into when he sets up this meeting, but we're going to get into that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think one of your favorite parts is the end. And I actually took the quote from John Grammaticus out of the book. If you didn't.
0: Oh yes. (laughs) What he's,
1: what he's doing at the end. One last quick thing there are, and you and I have talked about this before. There are so many names in this book. So we have listeners filtered all but the most important of them, so you can focus on the story.
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be responsible for your death when you fall asleep driving. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's way too many names.
1: <laughs> so, do you have any other pre-story, you know, kind of pre-discussion thoughts or anything else you think we need to? Um,
0: no, it, other than my my observation about kind of the the point of view is that we're we're watching secrecy in action which means you don't get all the answers you don't trust the answers that you get and you just kind of take it at face value <laughs> yes and that's kind of what we got yeah
1: so uh, let's talk about the story a little bit so we okay. are on the planet of Nerth. Yes, yes and things are not going well for lord commander teng namajira uh he's very prestigious and accomplished supposedly mm-hmm. uh, and you have a lot of very ancient and elite imperial guard regiments involved uh, but the native inhabitants the nerthine surprisingly they're
0: holding off yeah. <laughs>
1: the imperial forces and they're doing it with swords and like darts <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's basically the movie Avatar. (laughs) Exactly,
1: right. It is. And so they strike from the dark, the shadows, the fog, dust storms. Mm -hmm. All the while, you know, this is going on. You also see that the skies are beginning to look a little weird. They're discoloring and they're starting to churn. And you're going, hmm, all -hmm. right, something's going on. And... The Nirthine have been driven into their last stronghold, which is the port city of Monlo Harbor. Yes, uh, that's kind of where we are in terms of the overall um, situation. Yes. So uh, the Astartes reinforcements are called for because they just can't get through. <laughs> yes, what's what's there, and so of course the Alpha Legion is called, and Alfarius is their Primarch, and they respond kind of. Because what happens is they're there. But mm-hmm. Namajira doesn't even know they're there. And yes. the only reason we know they're there is because there are certain characters in the book that we're going to talk about that have these individual encounters. And mm-hmm. they're very brief encounters with one or two of the Alpha Legion. And then they disappear again. So you know they're on the planet.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's the equivalent of, you know, you're having trouble, like, opening a box and this, before you can even say, hey, does anyone have a pair of scissors? Someone just like walks up behind you and is like, here you go with a box cutter. And you're like, I don't yeah. know you. How'd you get in my house?
1: <laughs> but thank you for thank your Thank you. Yeah, kind of. It's
0: like a dubious thank you.
1: <laughs> you turn around to give it back and they're gone. Yeah, it's like, what? Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, so uh, we have, of course, at this time as well. John Grammaticus. And I think it's really great the way Dan Etnett wrote this guy as a mm-hmm. character, because he's serving as a spy for the Imperials, but he's also acting as a spy for the cabal at the yes. same time. So as he put it, or someone put it, what a better cover for a spy than to be a spy. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's perfect. And they have no idea, Nabajir and his people, that he's there, what he's doing. Uh Important point, he is a very powerful psyker, though, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he is a logistat or logistician. I can't remember the term they use, but he's exceptional at, uh, like, learning languages. He can listen to one sentence of a language, and he can speak it fluently. Uh, He can read lips. He can determine intentions based on body language. Mm -hmm. He's just very, very perceptive.
0: And uh, a few other things. He can also tell the difference between space marines which is hard to do because as they augment themselves they tend to all look the same so to other people yes. all the alpha legionnaires look the same but john is someone who's able to discern who is who and know who he's talking to which ends up being a really cool trick when you're you know when everyone's alpharius
1: <laughs> right it it really it really gets them kind of spun up when they mm-hmm. realize they, they don't like do that. that no <laughs> wait a minute uh, now, John's purpose in the story is to convince the Alpha Legion to meet with the Cabal. That is his primary goal. So he has to contact them, convince them that they should meet with a bunch of aliens because the universe will end if they don't.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. That
1: just, Doesn't that just sound nuts? <laughs> but that's really what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just come together. And I mean, initially they talk about like, we just want to stop the Horus heresy. Okay. Yes fine and at the end it's, there's a bait and switch and you're like this doesn't make sense okay <laughs> yes right and, and this is a point you make a good point and we'll again talk about it but
1: like if the cabal is so powerful and they're trying to manipulate you know things so that Horus wins and, and defeats chaos somehow why didn't they just stop the heresy like why didn't right. they just stop Erebus from taking the Athe- Well. You I know? mean, they
0: definitely could have gone further back. Yeah, that's for sure. But <laughs>
1: exactly. So it just it, this is one of those things where the cabal is the only you know weird weak link in the story. But otherwise, all good.
0: I, I have a theory on that at the end. <laughs> okay, please. All right, good.
1: Um, so as you know, he's working for as an agent for the Imperium, and so his assignment was to infiltrate the city of Monlo Harbor. Yep. And I think one of the interesting parts of the story is when he goes in for the second time and he starts walking into the city. Now remember he's, he can be whoever he wants to be has this weird ability to kind of mimic people. Mm -hmm. And so the Nerthine don't know that he's not Nerthine, you know, when he walks into the city and he starts getting this weird feeling like that, that there's a presence that's kind of there looking for him is trying to find him and he can tell because of his uh because of his psychic you know abilities and he feels like i said like the city's looking for him so he finds refuge in a residential area and this is where he meets up with the alpha Legion for the first time and this guy's name is captain Peck and captain Peck is actually a character that no no major spoiler here we're gonna see again during the siege so he's he's a long-lasting person within the story, cool. uh, and he's accompanied by a very powerful psycher named Sheer, who's actually more powerful than Dramaticus, and it's so funny because <laughs> one of the things. So you can tell that Dramaticus, Dramaticus, just wants to, like, touch Peck's mind just to see something, and he's like, "Stop it, John! <laughs> John, don't do that." Gonna... And then, like the third time, Sheer just slams him with this psychic punch and throws him like across the room and he's like okay
0: yep you poked it shouldn't have poked it
1: john i warned you (laughs) now the other thing that's cool about this scene is that uh the city has found them though and they're you know this is kind of a safe house they're in and all of a sudden like thousands of little tiny lizards start pouring into the house it was just a great image right and then after the lizards there's giant crocodiles. You go, what? And then all of a sudden, there's like a demonic dragon that appears. <laughs> and it, it was just amazing. Such a great action scene. It yes. makes it very clear, however, that chaos is at work here. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, given the description of the Nerthine fighters, like the colors of their clothing are like pink and purple, you know, that kind of thing. The fact mm-hmm. that it's a reptilian form. I think it's pretty clear that this is Slanesh here.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, yes. There's no like um, specific mentions like right that, but no. I, definitely for sure, I could definitely see that. Yeah, and and you're not told that as you said in the book, but
1: yeah. So so that's what we're working with. Um, so there's a lot going on in the book, Besides Grammaticus, as we okay. said, there's a lot of interaction between members of the Lord Commander's staff and his bodyguards who are called the Lucifer Blacks who are just yes. total jerks like he is.
0: Yeah, and those are um, bodyguards that are like super augmented to be <sighs> out the nines assassin level stuff.
1: Yeah, they're they're about as close to Space Marines as they could be, I think, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the idea. There's a yeah. few
0: things like that in 40K. Yeah.
1: So um, the, the interaction in this is that the Lucifer Blacks have actually figured out that there might be a spy. Yes. And they're pretty sure that it has something to do with the guys from the Geno 5-2 Chiliad, And uh, this part of the story is kind of funny to me as well, because you have Lucifer Blacks who are looking for a spy, and it turns out they're looking for a spy who's serving their, their army as a spy, but they don't know he's a spy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got that out. That's good. Uh, and There's a lot of... Uh, the, the four main characters that we're going to talk about here are two of the Uxors. We talked about them, Honan Mu yep. and Roxana Saeed. Interestingly enough, John Grammaticus is having an affair with Roxana mm-hmm. and that affects, you know, how the Lucifer blacks like f- end up focusing on her to try to find
0: some of this spy yeah. stuff.
1: This is and a lot of subplot
0: stuff going on here.
1: <laughs> two of the Hetman uh Sonica and Bronzy are the two characters um, who, in the end, end up being recruited as operatives for the Alpha Legion. Mm. <laughs> so, very cool. Uh, the Alpha Legion, obviously, are looking for people who are very tough, very resourceful. And, yeah, that's what ends up happening I think for
0: those two specifically, the resourcefulness, it, it, they have these stories that bring them all over the place. Petosonica yes. has an awesome backstory, like the Alpha Legion sacrificed his entire regiment as a basically a meat shield during the book, and so he's like, this all sucks. <laughs> and so you get these people who are like jaded, but still devout, and they're just, yeah, cr- ha- handy, crafty, and smart. Yeah, and
1: I think it's really interesting, the writing to, you know, handy and crafty, Dan Abnet doesn't make it clear if these guys are loyal to the Alpha Legion or if they've still retained some of their loyalty to, you know, the Geno 5-2 Chilean. You, you can't really tell for a long time in the book. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty cool. Now, at one point, Honan Mu, who is this other Uxor, she suspects Sonica and Bronzi of something. I don't know what. She knows something's going on. Uh, so they have to be really careful around her, uh, because obviously they have to respond to anything that the Alpha Legion asks them to do. Yeah, but still be Hetman yep. under under these Uxors, and uh, all those interactions between those four characters, I think, are very fascinating, and they're very much a key part of the story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and. When they come together and pool information, it's it's kind of when I think the story, like in the second act, really starts to move forward. Is mm. all these disparate like what's going on comes together. <laughs> okay. okay, I don't know. I'm just saying like no, their I, stories individually come together to be great.
1: I agree with that because <clears throat> yeah, because otherwise it would just be these little subplots yes. that never tie together. And you're absolutely right. Uh, and he does, as usual, he does a great job of. You know writing six different stories but having everything move forward together. I don't, I don't know how he does that but he continues to do it um, as a writer. Mm-hmm. So at one point uh, Grammaticus receives a revelation from the cabal because he's got kind of this weird like
0: yeah. I,
1: what you want to call it communications thing where all of a sudden they can kind of appear to him.
0: He sees them like, in water like you'll have bowls yes. of water laying around and then yeah. they just show themselves. Kind of Galadriel's
1: mirror, that kind of yeah. thing,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> right. And one of them is a uh, Eldar autark slauda and he's just—it's wonderful because in the audio, especially, but the book to a point, you can just hear the uh, the um, arrogance just dripping off of his. Mm-hmm. Voice. Yes, and he, <laughs> he sounds like a total to tool, a monkey, <laughs> you know, and the cabal though gives grammaticus a revelation and that's that the are possession of a black cube. This is really important in the story in that, uh, this is an advice. It kind of acts like, I don't know how to best describe it. A ritualistic focus, I think. Yes. And if you make enough sacrifice, obviously in lives, it can destroy an entire planet Mm -hmm. basically is what happens. It's kind of like when the inquisition does exterminatus, it's, kind of the equivalent of that
0: yeah absolutely uh,
1: and so this kind of puts things on a fast track now because grammaticus has not really had a chance to find alfarius who he needs to find you right. know of course the marines he's met are saying i'm alfarius uh, yeah. like, i'm alfarius and john's like
0: uh no yeah exactly <laughs> and, i'm not buying it
1: <laughs> so he has to find alfarius and warn him because if he doesn't, well, we're going to find out the fun thing though, in the story as this is happening is all of a sudden along the Imperial lines, because it's kind of like a siege around this Monlo Harbor city. Yeah. All of a sudden they're ta- starting to talk that the city has begun
0: to scream. Yes. You're going, Oh, that can't be good. There's no way that that ends well for anybody. <laughs> no, not at all, man.
1: Uh, so that, that takes us to that point. Is there anything else up to this point that you want to
0: um, add or anything
1: th- you can I think, think
0: of? It's just important to emphasize at this point the the leader of the army uh there the oh, Senjierat Namaj- as I I get Namajira, yeah. Namajira. Okay. So at this point he is very confused because they, he knows he has a spy below him uh, in the form of John Gramaticus. Doesn't know who that is necessarily at this point, but he knows he has a spy problem. Um, but then there's also a second spy problem above him with the space Marines and he, he can't order them around like, and so he, at this point, no one actually knows, okay, well, are these two separate things? Are they connected? Is it the nurse? And um, now we're being told we have to leave the planet. You know, by the Space Marines or whatever. I don't know if I got too far ahead for you, but like, no, that's fine. We'll, we'll it, get. It's, there. Just, it's just a matter of who do you trust, you know. And everybody is being distrustful. Your su- subordinates below you and the people above you, and it's just like, dang. <laughs> well, you you
1: made a good point again that you know Nabajira literally doesn't even know the Alpha Legions in the system. Yes. Until later in the story, and all of a sudden he's going, "What? They're here already?" And he's rude they to them. Hear. He is not a happy camper, man. No. And here's one of the first scenes I think that I really just this guy just lit me up. I just couldn't stand him. It was they find out the the Alpha Legion's there, and they invite Alfarius quote <laughs> to a <laughs> uh, a like a state dinner? Yes. Know? And there's this really wonderful description of all the Imperial officers and stuff, including Namajira, and you're just going. Oh my God! Do these guys even fight battles? Like it's Mm -hmm. just—he's wearing this ornate—is an understatement to the stuff he's wearing. I'm going, what? What is this? Because you think of people like Macarius, you know, in 40k, and you think about—he always fought from the front—and you think of other great leaders that always fight for the front. And you just see this Namajira guy just sitting back in his fancy clothes, yeah. and his fancy food, and his fancy entourage. Ready for Coachella. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's perfect. And you just got to hate him because he's – but getting back, I segued a little bit there. But no, he's, um, he's kind of now all of a sudden, to your point, going – What's going on? And then he six, the this is when he six, the Lucifer Blacks on the some of the main characters to find out what's going on, because we know there's a spy now, because while they were having the state dinner, John Grammaticus was trying to break into it to get hold of, Alph- <laughs> you know, Alfarius, And he kills a Lucifer Black, which is almost impossible to do.
0: And, I mean, he got jacked up. Oh <laughs> he, yeah, he—he he he didn't walk pretty... away good. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh,
1: but um, so yeah, there, there's that whole thing, and um, yeah, so that's that's where we are in the story. Yeah. Uh, so
0: at this point now, the we have the black cube. Yes. Um, and I I think I kind of spoiled it there, but people start pulling out because this cube is supposed to explode. Yeah, and.
1: This is where you kind of understand what the Nerthine are up against, or are up to, because this is where you have a major set-piece battle in the book. And it has nothing to do with the Alpha Legion. Again, like we talked about, they, combat-wise, they're not really involved too much until the end. And there are, you know, these siege lines, and they have these berms built and all this stuff. And it's the middle of the night, and all of a sudden this, like, just misty cloud just starts approaching the Imperial lines, And it's it's a wonderful battle description by by Dan Abnett. And all of a sudden, this mist, like, comes up to the Imperials, and the Nerthine just just come out of the mist. Yes. Like, they're there the whole time. And not only Nerthine, you get these huge crocodilian things and all kinds of weird creatures coming out. Mm -hmm. And they just, boom, they hit the Imperial lines, and you kind of think that the Imperial lines are stretched and ready to break. There are thousands of nerthines that are coming forward. Thousands of them are dying. Thousands of Imperials are dying. And you're going, wait a minute. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> you get that moment where I see what they're doing here. <laughs> the more people that die, the faster the cube goes into action. Absolutely. They the cube, right. And, it, again, is a wonderful description. They end up uh, kind of stopping the advance. And a couple of our friends, uh, Bronzy and S- Sonic, are involved in the holding off the nerthine And that's a cool description. They're titans that come in and start pushing back the nerthine
0: mm-hmm. But by then,
1: too many people have died, and it's too late.
0: Yeah, actually, it kind of reminded me a lot of uh, The Battle for Kelth. Um mm-hmm. What was the name of that book?
1: Uh, wasn't it? Uh... There's two of them. They shall, remember, they shall no, no fear
0: no, no no fear there you go i'm sorry No, no fear. Yeah, <laughs> i have a podcast talking about Horus heresy it's all good um <laughs> but it made me remind me of that where it's like you put the you put one side of a fight right one of you came for a war and the other one came for a ritual and those asymmetrical yeah. objectives make things interesting yes. in any context whether it's ultramarines killing word bearers who like Excellent. to be killed or it's these guys who are like I mean, they're mm. they're putting up a fight. You can't not fight them. <laughs> they're right there. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah. I, I love that kind of tension of like the more we kill them, the more they get what they want. Which, is like, yeah. Ah.
1: And and it take and they're not understanding. Namajir and his people have no understanding of
0: this. They mm-hmm. they think they're winning. Yeah, and, they're having a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> well, they are having a great time at first. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so while this battle is going on, Gramaticus finally connects with Alfarius. Quote. And we think it's him. We think this actually is Alfarius because he discovers this kind of hidden desert base where there are like dozens and dozens of Alpha Legion uh, and finally gets to um, you know, warn Alfarius of what's going on with the Black Cube. Yes. And fortunately, uh, that also gets, you know, the Alpha Legion then says to nabajiri you guys need to get out of here, get out of here. And he's like, what? I don't understand. Okay, whatever I told you, whatever yep. you want to do. So most of the imperial forces do extract from the planet in time, but many do not. And there's really interesting uh, description of how literally just regiments of tanks are overcome by this. It's kind of you know the opposite of the mist that came out. It's like this black cloud It yeah. just keeps expanding, and everything that's touched by it just dies. Um, the Alpha Legion, though deployed to the planet, did retreat intact They yes. due to john's warning and so you know he's got some credibility now with alfarius because otherwise he was just a dude warning <laughs> saying yeah, hey exactly you, you need mean, to be with my buddies like yeah all right
0: yeah and it certainly functioned yeah as a, as a proof of goodwill right don't die come here and talk with us <laughs> yeah and plus isn't it at this point i'm that Grammaticus actually
1: tells Alpharius why he needs to meet with them and says something about Horus and stuff. And Alpharius is like, you're nuts, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it was one of the Alpha Legion guys mentioned, um, like, oh, you address him as War Master. And Grammaticus is like, oh, my God, he's already the War Master? He's, like, freaking out. We're too late. Yeah, and all all Grammaticus knows is, like, Civil War is coming. And that's it. And it has something to do with Horus. But when he got declared War Master, that's that's when they have that back and forth. I thought that was funny.
1: <laughs> well, and and I don't think that the Alpha Legion's reaction to his comments are out of place or not consistent because oh, nice. every loyalist Legion that you would have told that horror... look what you know, one of your favorite scenes when uh Oh yeah, Garrow got punched, punched in the face Garo, for trying to be right? helpful. That that'll tell you. But <laughs> you're yes. thinking so everybody extracts. Everybody's gone. The planet dies essentially,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we're off to a planet called Forty Two Hydra Tertius Hydra Hydra. Hello Hydra, uh, and this is a place where the cabal is supposed to meet with Alfarius. Yes, and the fleet has escaped Earth. Hovers over this planet, and we know what the the purpose of this particular planet's choice was what was interesting is that the planet initially appears to be uninhabitable. There's no place where there's compatible atmosphere or anything else. And all of a sudden, and this tells you how powerful this cabal is. And I think it was 30 or it was 300. I can't remember kilometers in diameter area just appears on the planet's surface. Yes. Yeah. It was just hidden from view. Yep. And it, appears to be compatible with human requirements it's got an atmosphere everything else is cool um and obviously it was created by the cabal mm-hmm. so that they could meet with people and um this is another point in the story that i just love so uh alpharius has come to namajira's flagship yes and namajira is lecturing Alfarius. not good and i love this part of the story because you know namajira is just explaining oh this is that and this ship is this thing and this is that thing
0: and oh, he's far- mad too he's like you made me lose half my regiment or <laughs> he was mad because he warned him to leave and then he was mad because he didn't warn him earlier
1: how <laughs> of- you can just tell it's just tolerating this guy yes that's it and it was also funny because one of the lucifer blacks feels, you know, he gets this perception that Alfarius is kind of threatening Namajira. So he reaches for his weapon, and Alfarius just looks over at the guy, and he goes, you know, I hear that the Lucifer Blacks are brave, but I never heard that they were insane. <laughs>
0: yes,
1: yes. <laughs> like, no, you, you don't have no idea what you're dealing with here. <laughs> uh, and again, Namajira just continues to make you just hate him, because yes. he's so... Pompous and so conceited And
0: he's every lord know. commander
1: <laughs> Yeah and, and it's all About him it's all about his uh His Standing with the council of terra You know and I want to I have to recover My reputation because We lost the planet and my Reputation is hurt because of all this And as you said it's your fault That mm-hmm. my reputation Is hurt and you just Go and, and you could just tell again That Alfarius
0: yeah. is, is Yep. Fine. This guy's what? got an expiration date on his head <laughs> <laughs> Exactly
1: That's what it is
0: Oh man So anyway just,
1: just a great scene um, And then We end up that uh, The Alpha Legion Has uh, Sonica and Bronzy And some uh, I think uh, Let's see what is it, During it So Sonica and Grammaticus are actually held kind of as prisoners on the Alpha Legion flagship. Yes. And also uh, Grammaticus finds out that his uh, buddy Roxana is, has been captured by the Alpha Legion and kind of tortured by them to find some stuff out. And Sonica says, Hey, you know what? I'm going to get you down to the planet because I know you need to get to the planet so that you can be the intermediary. You need to make sure this happens. So he ends up taking Grammaticus. They find
0: Roxana, and when they find her, she's like almost brain dead, like a little child. Almost. Yes, she got interrogated psychically by the Alpha yeah, Legion to hunt right? down Grammaticus. So she's not doing good. She had a bad day. No. <laughs> and so, boom, they, they three of them head down to the planet,
1: and they're also, you know, uh, Namajira's landing some of the Geno 5-2 Chiliad and some others, uh, on the planet to kind of oh no, it's aliens. Uh so this huge ship then appears in yes. the, uh and that was another great part Doug was
0: Oh yeah because it came in screaming too <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Namajir is screaming at his fleet commander
0: like Stop it and he's mm-hmm. going it
1: sort of passes.
0: <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah by the time they could arm the guns the thing was already like from behind them to in front of them. <laughs> oh snap <Yeah.
1: laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> Uh, so that thing is where they're going to meet is this ship. But, um, you know, Grammaticus is there. And to your point, he finds this little pool of water thing and he communicates with them and says, we're ready to go. And all of a sudden, all of the Cabal appears mm-hmm. you know, all there. Yes. Around them kind of. And that was pretty cool. And they're going, John, where's Alpharius? And all of a sudden, this is so great. Like you say, plans within plans, you know, with these guys. Mm -hmm. Alpharius and Omegon, who's, you know, the other Alpharius, we're going to find out in a second, is like 50 arms Astartes, just boom, all of a sudden appear surrounding this cabal. And you're going, oh my God, that was so awesome. And you realize the whole time, that Sonica and Roxana were playing Grammaticus. Yes.
0: Like,
1: they never intended to turn against the Alpha Legion. Roxana was fine. There was nothing wrong with her. And I thought that was so amazing that they were able to, like, overcome his abilities that he mm-hmm. didn't realize he was being played like that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I... I uh, it, it ended up being a very fun kind of thing because you get to see what plots within plots look like like in a real sense mm-hmm. and that was that was a good reveal <laughs>
1: yeah it was it was a very cool little sequence of events because again the way it was written you were absolutely sure that sonica was turning on the alpha legion to help john and Roxana was really screwed up and, yes. and yeah yeah you, you had no idea what was coming
0: and what's interesting is the cabal is like we don't like the way that you you know you had to have this meeting on your terms. We didn't like that. Why are you here, all armed to the gills? And it's like you—you you wanted the Alpha Legion because they're the Alpha Legion. What did you expect? Like, how else do they show up to parties? This is it, man. Like, what are you right. talking about? This
1: is who you wanted. <laughs> and if you're so wise and you've been around for like ten thousand years, whatever it is, why is it that you don't understand these guys and know what they're going to
0: do? Uh, I just... Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So now we have our big uh, ballroom conversation, which is, I think, honestly, the entire book was just a delivery system to get us to this chat. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, do, you, do you want to continue? or? No, go
1: ahead. You okay. talk about it. I, the only thing I want to say is that the big reveal here mm-hmm. to me is that Alpharius and Omegon are both the Primarch. Yes. of the alpha legion and we are told here now for the first time ever in the heresy that they are the only twin primarchs.
0: Yeah, so in those just Jason Chambers and the uh the upper made his primarchs this one had twinsies and yeah. it explains why Alpharius tends to be shorter than his other primarchs but he's more in line with his space marines. Yes. And this is how they fade into each other basically like they they can all be each other because their primarch isn't uh, I think they I think John Grammaticus said he 's like three centimeters taller or something like that like, it 's yeah, pretty negligible, <laughs> but right. um yeah that 's how they do that it 's a really cool idea, yeah um Omegon, up until then has always been in the background of conversations, and he <laughs> is kind of there like oh he 's yeah, he 's a recruit who 's going up the ranks, and we just always keep one newbie in the area <laughs> kind <laughs> of a deal, which is like oh that's cool um but the you know they basically straight out say. We know your biggest secret in the Alpha Legion. We know that you're twins. Stop trying to mess with us and let's just have yeah. a chat. So the guns yeah. go down, the talking begins. And essentially the cabal lays out, we think a civil war is coming. And you know, our our visions have seen it. If the emperor is allowed to live, then the universe will be torn in two and we'll just be in a, a state of stagnancy and corruption for the foreseeable future. If he dies, then, then hopefully I'm, assuming their logic is, uh, because he's, I don't know. I don't know if it's because he's a perpetual, he'll come back or what the idea was, but there's some way of shutting things down by killing yes. the emperor before the heresy begins. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is essentially the plot that they threw out to the alpha legion. If you really love the emperor, you're going to save his empire by Going against him, essentially.
1: Yep. And Horus, this this is one of the things that just totally threw me to the other side on the on the cabal was their logic is that, or what they saw, was that if Horus won, he would be so angry and so regretful of what had happened that he would destroy chaos. Mm. He would literally destroy it, and you're going wait whoa do you have any idea what you're saying and you mm-hmm. first of all their lack of understanding of chaos is it, to me, is revealed
0: there well and so i mean okay so that's basically the end of the book so we can start moving into i mean not not the actual There's end some other things going on yeah yeah but as this is the main thing so we can stop here for a bit and just kind of Wrestle through this. I I don't know. My my, another part of my problem with this is that like, I just don't believe the Alpha Legion would ever listen to this cabal. Like, I mean, it said they were shown a vision. At the end of it, Alpharius Omegon is like, "All right, we got to do what we got to do." And they, that's how the Alpha Legion joins Chaos. Is they just decide, well, this will help things in the long run. (laughs) And 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 when they show them the this
1: vision yes I, there was an acuity that's what they called it yeah um they were they were staggered you know visibly the primarchs were staggered but i took a quote again out of the book and it was alfarius walking kind of away from the cabal after he saw this mm-hmm. and he said so oh he was talking to Slauda, that that eldar he said so what i do autark from this moment on i do for the Emperor.'" Yes. And you're like, well, yep. Okay. What the heck does that mean?
0: <laughs> yes. Right. So, and and yeah. this is this is how we get the Alpha Legion uh, inverse of the the Dark Angels being chaos is that these guys mm. are actually good guys because, yeah, within their logic they're trying to do the right thing, which doesn't make them good guys at all, but just like every other faction of chaos. <laughs> well, and
1: let's think about it now. You know this. And maybe I'm, you know, some other heresy, you know, fan will, will correct me here, but this is the only, uh, Space Marines Legion that actually sided with Horus that didn't turn to chaos.
0: Yes. Uh... They never,
1: they never worshiped the chaos God. They never worshiped the Pantheon. Yeah. They, they hated chaos, honestly. And they continued to state that they hated chaos. Alfarius did too. Um. And and that's what's interesting when you think about what Alfarius said and like <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do what we gotta do.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean it I don't know how I feel about it. Like Okay. <laughs> because on one hand I just I don't know. I, I just have a really hard time knowing all the the discussions that have happened before, like with Fulgrim meeting Eldred Ulthwan. It just seemed really weird to have one meeting with a alien, a collection of alien races that you don't know their motivations, and walk away yeah. being like, "I'm gonna do this," and
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm sure part of it is that just wasn't built up as like a logical thing. Maybe we just didn't see the Alpha Legion enough for that to be a reasonable decision in the book. <laughs> yes, but the whole book is about like not believing what anyone tells you, and they get to the end and they're told this is gonna happen, and then they believe them, and it's like, I what. Did you, were you guys here for the rest of this? This a whole yeah. thesis? I mean, I, I sat through this book. Did you not sit through this book? <laughs> like to the characters, not the writer. But you know what I mean? I just had this weird kind of jarring like, stuff's yeah. going to go bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and you have to wonder too. I mean, we know
1: subsequently, we have some meta knowledge here. I mean, that's us just face it, all of us, mm-hmm. listeners and us, that... The, the Alpha Legion does at least initially side with you know Horus. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder, though, were they ever really convinced by this little slideshow?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and that's a great point, too. Maybe they knew they couldn't trust it, but, you know, maybe by pledging allegiance to Horus, it guarantees that they could be in the right place at the right time to choose Horus or the Emperor later on. In a and, bigger way. And maybe,
1: you know, they said they're thinking because this is so Alpha Legion. Uh, and listening to it again, I never really thought about this before, but maybe Alfarias and Omega were like, well, let's side with Horus and, you know, see how things go. But in the end, we want to make sure the Emperor triumphs here. Oh, yeah. You know, but the best way to do that is to side with Horus, see what he's doing and and kind of contribute, make him trust us, but maybe in the end, then
0: we do something else. And, mm-hmm. and I
1: love that about the Alpha Legion. I
0: well, yeah, and funny. and to that point, like I read the um the old black books, like the big campaign Horus Heresy oh, books that yeah. came out, and one of the things that is made very clear through those is that. The Alpha Legion is a raging pain in the butt for Horus. Like, he hates managing them. He can't send them anywhere because they'll take, like, months to do something that should take a week because they want (laughs) to infiltrate. Like, they are a legion of hemorrhoids to whichever side has them. Nobody, like, you know? (laughs) Everyone's like, this is so freaking annoying. And so if anybody had to get it, I don't know, maybe they just... Maybe the cabal just wanted to give it to Horus for the lulls. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, it's... it's. But I think, again, it's what
1: makes this book interesting because you don't have this ending where you kind of know what's going to happen. I mean, even at the end of, you know, Horus rising, when, you know, deep in the bowels of the vengeful spirit, Erebus is down there with the athane. you kind of know what's going to happen. Yes. You, You know, in this book... or or any of the books we've talked about so far, you kind of know what the next piece is going to be here. You just don't really know.
0: Yeah. And I think, I I think that is a big weak point of the book is that it doesn't feel satisfying. And so that you're ready for the next adventure.
1: Yeah. And and I think Mm. if I had been told, like we're kind of, you know, helping listeners with this, that that's the way the book was going to end, it would have been helpful. Um, that there wasn't this closure that to your point you expect,
0: Yeah, right? You yep. always
1: expect closure in any story, uh, but you don't get this here. And yeah. so it is a little less satisfying, but I still uh, think it's well worth the listener read. It, it just a wonderful story. And I want to talk about though, after. Yes, please. Yeah. We can move past the conversation. Yeah. So uh, the alpha Legion leave the cabal, the cabal takes off. Um, is getting really anxious about what's going on. He's like, okay, Alfarius is down there with a bunch of aliens and this could be treasonous. Yes. And he orders all his weapons, all his fleet weapons trained on the Cabal vessel that's on the surface. Um, and he orders Bronzy, who's been captured by the Lucifer Blacks, to be tortured to death because he finds out from one of the Lucifers that Bronzy is a spy for the Alpha Legion now and he's like, ha, I knew it. You know, and mm-hmm so he orders his vessels to surround the alpha legion battle barge. his whole fleet he even says that he intends on sending a letter of censure against the legion to the
0: council of terror and i'm like you okay loser loser i know know? i'm gonna go complain to the principal
1: oh yeah no kidding so i'm telling dad and, and of course the alpha legion
0: they know what the hell is going on oh
1: yeah the alpha legion is like okay we got to respond to the Lord Commander because he's just being a total jerk. And so the Battle Barge leaves orbit, you know, once all the guys are on there. And all of a sudden they turn and they attack Nemojeri's fleet. Yes. <laughs> it was just awesome. It that was so the satisfying
0: awesome. conclusion that we needed, I guess. <laughs> yes, yeah, it has nothing to do with Horus
1: Heresy. <laughs> yeah. So the Astartes, they just start wiping out all the fleet ships that are there. They just blow into the middle of the fleet and the Astartes teleport onto Namajira's flagship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonica gets there and he rescues Bronzy from the Lucifers. He just basically shoots them all in the head. And one of the, to your point, satisfying scenes is Alfarius finds Namajira fleeing from his ship, of course. Uh, and there's just this great scene where the Lucifers, you know, pull out their swords and their guns and all this stuff and Alfarius is just, just like really. Oh, he just Seriously? goes right through him. <laughs> just, yeah, nothing. And Navajira, of course, begging for his life. Why? Why am I not surprised? Yeah. And uh, just literally, they wipe out the entire, you know, uh, fleet. The entire Imperial fleet I mean, it's, it's gone. One battle barge.
0: Yeah, and yeah,
1: except for the people they, re- except for the people they recruited, which is Roxana you know sonic and bronzy the rest of the imperials and the geno 5 to chilead they're all
0: gone they're just done and that i mean and ending it that way with the fleet being destroyed i actually liked because at that point you know the heresy hasn't happened yet and now the alpha legion who was traitor is like oh yeah we got here as fast as we could the planet exploded namagira's fleet's gone we're still loyal. Like they still have a way to keep going because they just don't talk. <laughs> yeah. And
1: nobody knows this. Yeah, guy. exactly. <laughs> it's great. Uh, in the final scene, and I know you want to talk about this a little bit. So Grammaticus leaves the cabal and Slouda is like, John, John, you're walking for the airlocks. Yeah. You did a good and, job. What are you sad about? Yeah. And so again, a quote from the book, John says, I successfully signed the death warrant for the human race.
0: And then he hits the airlock button and goes outside and kills himself. Yeah, right? Which is uh, the most metal way to be like, this all sucks. <laughs> Boom!
1: So it is true. Oh my gosh. So, you know, you you just said it. I think we actually do get some uh, closure. We get some satisfaction <laughs> after that very weird meeting and the reaction of the Primark and stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of get what you expect in a heresy book to a certain point.
0: Absolutely. Now, I, my kind of knowledge of the Horus Heresy kind of butts up here towards the end because I yeah. started reading much earlier on. With perpetuals, is this meant to mean that John Grammaticus is going to die and then be reborn?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would fully expect that given the fact that he's – I think he's died at least once. But yes. I'm not sure. I can't recall. I, I know for sure he died once. But you can, yes. And now his hope, and based on the way Dan writes the book, his hope is that he will finally die. Yeah. Because of what he's just done. He right. thinks he's just done. But no, he, in fact, again, there's no spoilers here because we're going to talk about the heresy for oh, of a course. long time. Uh, you know, John is part of the heresy story. And this is just where we're introduced to him. Yeah. And he will come back in other stories and play key roles and mm-hmm. just such a fascinating character because to me, Doug, he's human.
0: Exactly. Yeah. He, and, and I feel like he had to have the immortality to make him a character that we could follow, but it is good to have the human perspective compared to yeah. the demigods or whatever. It is. It really is. Uh, I just, I just texted you like the minute I finished that book, cause I had completely forgotten about the ending or maybe I just didn't read it. Clearly, the first time I didn't realize he was just like checking out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember when I got the text. He's like, "Wow, that's pretty, uh, pretty morbid."
0: It's getting a little, <laughs> uh, a little grim, dark here, and then he just hits the eject button. <laughs> He's gone. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what were your th- final thoughts on the book here as we wrapped it up? I think you need to go into this book
1: uh, if you're, you're going to listen or read it, that it's different than the other books we've talked about or the other books you've read. It's very different in a lot of ways. And knowing that, I think you should still enjoy the story because it still is a heresy story and Mm -hmm. written by a wonderful author. And the characters you're going to, because of the way it's written, you're going to have very strong feelings one way or the other about them. Uh, And again, just all the interactions that take place the the way that dan abnet writes the different components in the cabal and the nerfian and the alpha legion it's to me it's almost refreshing because it's so different you yeah. uh, from yeah. a lot of other books uh there is that speed bump that we both talked about <laughs> near the end but again you come out the other side with some satisfying action scenes and things like that yeah.
0: so i'd say for me my th- takeaway is it is a good book it it's like they wanted to share so many cool things Mm. about the alpha legion and there was just too much to share if that makes sense like sure you know at the end it was kind of an exposition okay they're the twins okay the civil war is coming they chose to do it rather than joining chaos like all those are information bits that you want to know about the alpha legion but Mm. how they got there and were uncovered i felt like it was, yeah. it was not everyone's cup of tea. It's just different kinds of literature. I it's agree. not a war story. It's an intrigue novel about spies. And um, I think,
1: you know, there are a lot of people who talk about heresy a lot more than we do and are very much more into it. But they talk about a list of books that you don't need to read. You can skip these books. Yeah. If you don't. I don't think this is a book to skip. And there are a lot of yeah. people that list Legion as that. I just don't think so because I think it's an enjoyable departure that – adds to the richness of the heresy.
0: Absolutely. I think anytime you get I think the Horace Heresy books are great at this. Anytime you get a um you get to see how the Space Marines in whatever context think and and act mm-hmm. is very good. Like I loved the um theoretical and practical of the Ultramarines. Oh right. The um what is it? The enumerations of the Thousand Suns or whatever. Yes seeing yep. them talk to one another in veiled language everyone's alfarius everyone is alfarius and alfarius is everywhere like it's just this it was a cool um but you can only experience that from the human side and, and yes. that's, that's not what everyone's reading these things for so i, I would strongly suggest to our
1: readers that they consider reading the alfarius primarch book
0: yeah
1: i think it would add to to your understanding, your enjoyment of the Alpha Legion after maybe feeling a little bit of frustration from this book, mm-hmm. or, you know that it's so different. I really enjoyed it. It was not what I was expecting, uh, and I'm I'm an Alpha Legion fan for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Have been. Uh, I just like how they're so unique in so many oh, ways yeah. in the yeah. Harris
0: yes and yeah. so now you can loudly and obnoxiously when you walk past anyone playing alpha legion <laughs> declare that they're actually loyalists <laughs> if you see other two people playing the game stop their game and make that joke that's yes. great Every all love that <laughs> God. bonus points Sorry. if they're playing against a dark angels player and you get to squeeze in that joke too about how they're actually traitors oh sure <laughs> um okay <laughs> so next book let's wrap it up here towards the end uh we already decided our next book and it's going to be Scars by Chris rate Um I before the show Dan asked, well, what kind of book do we want to read next? And I have really been enjoying these introductions to the various legions. Mm. And I said, Do you know anything about the white scars? Because I don't know oh, yeah. like jack all about them. I, I mean I know like obviously the visual references that they're making. Um, but nothing culture-wise or anything like that. So I'm very excited. So yeah, Scars, Chris Wright. Uh, One thing I do want to say is I was trying to find it on the Black Library website and Scars is not listed unless it's (laughs) in a compendium or something that I'm not seeing, but it is available on Audible. So if you want to follow along, that's how I will be listening to it. Sure. And
1: I'll bet you if you go to certain places. if you go to amazon or somewhere else yeah. i'm sure you can find a paperback copy somewhere
0: oh yeah yeah we have tons of used bookstores in the u.s half price books yeah. you just cop on their yeah. website i'm sure you can get it cheap yeah, so
1: absolutely uh and if you want to read the read the dead tree version which is great yeah,
0: so. yeah. okay well i don't have anything else to you dan i do not my friend Okay, well, we will listen to Scar and tune in next time to talk about some awesome White Scar action. Hopefully, motorcycles and chain swords aplenty. <laughs> uh, back to the action. Thank you so All much right. for hanging out with me today, dude.
1: All right, no problem, man. It was—it's always a pleasure to do so.
0: All right, friends, you stay tuned, and may the Emperor protect.